Welcome to the End of Innocence, the JFK Assassination. I'm your host, John Young. In last week's episode, we looked at where Lee Harvey Oswald was at the time of the shooting of JFK. We heard from witnesses who placed Lee Harvey Oswald on the first or second floors of the depository just a couple minutes before the assassination. And then we heard from Officer Marion Baker, who encountered Oswald 90 seconds after the assassination in the depository's second floor lunchroom. And I can't wait to cover with you Lee Harvey Oswald's movements immediately after the assassination. His so-called escape from the scene of the crime. But this week we shift gears a little bit and we hear about what witnesses outside the school book depository that were in and around Dealey Plaza. We hear about what they saw and heard. When President Kennedy arrived in Dallas on the morning of November 22, 1963, he was supposed to give a luncheon speech at the Dallas Trademark. On the way to that speech, as the motorcade slowly drove through downtown Dallas, the President, First Lady Jacqueline, Governor Conley, and Mrs. Conley all waved to the well-wishers who lined the streets of downtown Dallas. When the motorcade reached Houston Street, which forms the eastern border of Dealey Plaza, it made a right turn and then an immediate sharp left turn from Houston onto Elm Street. The Texas School Book Depository building is located there at the intersection of Houston and Elm. Seconds after making that turn, as the motorcade continued down Elm Street into Dealey Plaza, the infamous shots were fired that mortally wounded the president and seriously injured Governor Conley. This will be the first of several episodes that we take a look at what the witnesses saw in Dealey Plaza that day, during and immediately after the shooting. Were there Secret Service agents on the grassy knoll? Where did the Dealey witnesses say that the shots come from? And did anyone see anything suspicious near the grassy knoll? According to the Warren Report, there were three shots fired, all of which came from the southeast corner of the sixth floor of the school book depository, which was behind President Kennedy when he was shot. But because there were so many witnesses who were on record saying the shots came from the grassy knoll, which was to the right front of President Kennedy, the commission was well aware of all these allegations. The Warren Report ultimately found, quote, no credible evidence exists that the shots were fired from the railroad bridge over the triple underpass, the nearby railroad yards, or any place other than the Texas School Book Depository Building, end quote. Of the 88 witnesses who expressed an opinion on where they thought shots came from, 40 thought shots came from the grassy knoll, 41 thought shots came from the School Book Depository, and 7 from other directions. Now, I've been to Dealey Plaza during reenactments of the shooting, and I will admit there's a serious echo within Dealey Plaza that could make it difficult to accurately hear the direction of the shots. Most witnesses base their opinion on where they thought the shots came from based on what they heard. But some of the witnesses had reason to believe that shots were fired from the grassy knoll, not just based on what they heard, but based on what they saw. There were several witnesses in Dealey Plaza who believed that gunshots came from the school book depository, 
people like Warren Commission star witness Howard Brennan, 15-year-old Amos Ewens, Jack Doherty and Jack Bell, and Officer Marion Baker. The evidence is overwhelming that shots were fired from somewhere in the school book depository building. But the real question is whether shots were also fired from the grassy knoll or somewhere else that day in the plaza, in addition to the school book depository. And were there secret service agents on and around the grassy knoll during the assassination? Something, I repeat, has happened in the motorcade route. There's numerous people running up the hill alongside Elm Street there by the Simmons Freeway. Immediately after the shooting of President Kennedy and the limousine sped away, witnesses in and around Dealey Plaza ran towards the Grassy Knoll area where they thought the shots had come from. But as they got to the hill on top of the Grassy Knoll, witnesses and even police were deterred from the chase by men who claimed to be Secret Service agents. According to the Warren Report, not only were there no Secret Service agents stationed on or behind the Grassy Knoll, but there were no FBI or other federal agents stationed there either. Let me repeat that. There were no Secret Service agents stationed on or behind the grassy knoll. When I spoke to Clint Hill earlier this year, he told me under no circumstances were there any Secret Service agents on or around the grassy knoll during the assassination. None were there until Secret Service Agent Four Sawyers was the first agent on the grassy knoll, and he didn't return until 1 p.m., 30 minutes after the assassination. There were men acting as Secret Service agents all around Dealey Plaza immediately after the shooting. Who was impersonating them, and why? Dallas Police Officer Joe Marshall Smith was stationed right outside the Texas School Book Depository at the time of the assassination. After the shooting, this is what Smith had to say. Quote, While I was standing there, the motorcade went by. Then I heard the shots. This woman came up to me and she was just in hysterics. She told me they were shooting from behind the bushes. So I immediately proceeded up there to a parking lot in behind the grassy knoll area toward the railroad tracks. When I got there, I saw a man and I pulled my pistol from my holster. He saw me coming with my pistol and right away he showed me who he was, that he was a secret service agent. He pulled out his credentials. He had on a sport shirt and sport pants, but he had dirty fingernails. It looked like he had the hands of an auto mechanic, and afterwards, it didn't ring true for the Secret Service. But at that time, we were so pressed for time, and we were searching, and he had produced the correct identification, and we just overlooked the thing. I should have checked the man closer, but at the time, I didn't snap to it, end quote. But Smith isn't the only law enforcement officer who saw so-called Secret Service agents on the grassy knoll. Deputy Constable Seymour Weitzman did as well. After Weissman heard the shots fired, he immediately ran towards the stockade fence at the top of the grassy knoll and jumped over it. He said that he encountered other officers and a Secret Service agent there and turned over a portion of the President's skull that he had found on Elm Street to the Secret Service agent. Weissman did not provide a description of the alleged Secret Service agent. The skull bone never appeared in the records for the Warren Commission. Yet another man who claims to have seen a Secret Service agent near the top of the grassy knoll is Malcolm Summers. Here's what he told the PBS documentary series Nova. The motor van had passed. I waited about a minute. And then I came running over across to the knoll. 
When I got here, I was stopped by a uh, person in a suit with an overcoat over his arm, throw it over his arm. Also had a gun under his arm. It looked like a little machine gun to me, a small machine gun. I do think the first shot came from the school book depository up there. And then when the second one came, I did not know who was who all was shooting. I was uh, thinking it was more than one person shooting. The first shot sounded just like a little pop. It sounded like a firecracker from a faraway distance. The other sound is real close, real close. Perhaps the most fascinating encounter with this so-called Secret Service agent behind the grassy knoll comes from 22-year-old Army Private Gordon Arnold. Here's his story. Behind the picket fence, there is a car park, and in 1963, Gordon Arnold was a 22-year-old serviceman, just out of training camp and en route to a posting in Alaska. This is his first film interview. On that particular morning, what happened was I came downtown and I thought there was going to be a parade. So what I did was I parked my vehicle back here in this parking lot and I intentionally walked to this particular corner because I wanted to take a pictures of the parade off of the railroad bridge. Well, this is about as far as I got because what happened is when I got my leg to about this position, a man came around the corner off the bridge, had a suit on, and he turned around and he told me that I wasn't going to be there. And I guess I was younger and more spunky at that time because I told him, you and who else is going to keep me off the bridge? And he pulled out an identification card and he said, I'm with the CIA. And I said, well, that's enough muscle. I'll leave. So I turned around and I brought my leg back over like this. I walked down the fence line here about halfway. And I was looking over the fence to see if I could get a good shot of the parade. And he came back up and he told me, he says, I told you to get out of this area. And I said, okay. So I walked the complete length of the fence, got around on the other side. That's when I started to line up my frame so that I could take the picture of the parade. I had been panning shots through here so that I could get whatever was going to come down the street. And I saw that it was the President of the United States. And as I was panning down this direction, just as I got to about this position, a shot came right past my left ear. And that meant it would have had to come from this direction. And that's when I fell down. And to me, it seemed like a second shot was at least fired over my head. It was a bunch of report going on in the in this particular area at that time. And what happened was that while I was laying on the ground, it seemed like a gentleman came from this particular direction. And I thought it was a police officer because he had a uniform of a police officer, but he didn't wear a hat and he had dirty hands. But it didn't really matter much at that time because with him crying like he was and with him shaking when he had the weapon in his hand, I think I'd have gave him almost anything except the camera because that was my mother's. And literally what the man did was kick, kick me and asked me if I was taking a picture. I told him that I was. And when I looked at the weapon, it was about that big around, and I decided I'd let him go ahead and have the film. I gave it to him, and then he went back off in this direction. I went off in this direction, and three days later, I was in Alaska. And I didn't come back to the United States for about 18 months. Gordon Arnold's testimony is notable for several reasons. One, it tends to support the idea of shots coming from the front. Two, it involves video evidence being confiscated. Three, it alleges that a man in a suit coat standing near the grassy knoll said he was a Secret Service agent before shots were fired. And four, it alleges that a man in a police uniform with dirty hands was on the grassy knoll immediately after the shooting. If true, Arnold's testimony opens up a lot of issues. But Gordon Arnold's credibility has been called into question by Warren Report defenders who argue that no other witnesses saw Gordon Arnold on the grassy knoll at the time of the shooting. That is entirely not true. Remember in the interview when Arnold said that he fell down when he heard a shot whiz by his ear? 
Texas Senator Ralph Yarbrough would state that as the shooting was occurring, he witnessed a young man that had a video camera up to his face on the grassy knoll fall to the ground as shots were being fired. So Yarbrough witnessed Gordon Arnold on the knoll. Senator Ralph Yarbrough would also state that as their car passed the grassy knoll and picket fence area, he could still smell gunpowder in the air. There's also one more person who claims to have seen a Secret Service agent after the assassination. Sergeant D.V. Harkness said that at 12.36, five minutes after the shots were fired, he went to the back of the book depository to seal it off. He told the Warren Commission, quote, There were some Secret Service agents there. I didn't get them identified, but they told me they were Secret Service, end quote. So now with the testimony from Sergeant Harkness, we have five people who claim to have encountered Secret Service agents, and three of them were law enforcement officers. Either they were all mistaken and invented this story, or there were someone, or multiple people, posing as Secret Service agents in Dealey Plaza that day. Can you imagine what it would feel like psychologically and emotionally to know that you had actually seen and spoken to the man who fired the bullet that killed JFK? Can you imagine what it must feel like knowing that you, yourself, had it in your power to arrest or shoot the man who had killed JFK, but because you didn't know who you had in the palm of your hand, you let him go? Can you imagine what it must feel like every night as you drift off to sleep, seeing again in your mind's eye the face of that man who killed JFK? It must be a walking nightmare. I've always wondered if Dallas policeman Joseph Smith, that that scenario actually happened to, ever felt that way. I'm not saying it was his fault because it wasn't, but still it would probably be a regret that a person lives with for the rest of their life, and I'm sure Joseph Smith did. Remember the woman who told Officer Smith that someone was shooting at the president from the bushes? Man, does she have a remarkable story to tell. Her and her friend Mary Mormon. Gene Hill would watch the motorcade of President Kennedy from the grassy knoll facing the Texas School Book Depository building. Hill and her friend Mary Mormon, who was taking Polaroid pictures of the motorcade, were only about 15 feet away from President Kennedy when he was shot. Hill and Mormon thought that shots had come from in front of them, which was the grassy knoll area, and as soon as the shooting stopped, they ran to that area to look for the gunman behind the picket fence area. Hill claims that they were detained by two Secret Service men. After searching the two women, they confiscated the picture of the assassination that was taken by Mormon's Polaroid camera. Hill gave a statement to the police where she stated, quote, Mary Mormon started to take a picture. We were looking at the president and Jackie in the back seat. Just as the president looked up, two shots rang out, and I saw the president grab his chest and fall forward across Jackie's lap. There was an instant pause between the two shots, and the motorcade seemingly halted for an instant. Several more shots rang out, and the motorcade sped away, end quote. Jean Hill later gave testimony to the Warren Commission that was highly controversial. She claimed that she heard between four and six shots. Hill was also convinced that some of the shots came from the grassy knoll. In interviews on television after the assassination, Hill said she saw a little white dog in the rear seat of the president's car. As there was no dog in the car, the reliability of Hill's witness statement was undermined. However, 25 years later, it was revealed that a small white stuffed animal dog was on the back seat of the car. A child had presented it to Jackie Kennedy at the beginning of the tour of Dallas. This information was suppressed in order to discredit Hill as a reliable witness. In a later interview about the assassination, Gene Hill would state this, quote, I jumped out in the street and yelled, hey, Mr. President, look over here. We want to take your picture. 
He looked up and then shots rang out. My friend Mary Mormon fell to the ground right away, shouting, Get down, get down, they're shooting. I knew it, but I was moving to get closer to him. The driver had stopped. And then out of the corner of my eye, I saw this flash of light in the bushes. And that last shot just, just ripped his head off. I looked up and saw smoke coming from the knoll area. And everything was frozen. Seemed like people wasn't even breathing. Like you're looking at a picture. Except for this one guy. I saw this one guy running from the book depository towards the railroad tracks. And that was the same man I saw on TV two days later shooting Oswald. The man I saw was Jack Ruby. No question about it. So Jean Hill claims she saw Jack Ruby wearing a brown sports coat running from the depository immediately after the assassination? Keep in mind, a couple episodes ago, we talked about Carolyn Walter, who witnessed a man in a brown sports coat in the sixth floor window only minutes before the assassination. Was this the same guy? Here's Jean Hill doing an interview with WFAA-TV out of Dallas, only a few hours after the assassination. This is Mrs. Jean Hill of Dallas. Could you tell us what you saw? Yes, Mary and I had come down to see the president this morning, and we tried to get a place where we could be away from everyone, and we, I guess, succeeded as the car came down the hill toward us. He was on our side of the street, and the, the president and Mrs. Kennedy were in the back seat, had a little dog between them looking at it, and just as the car came right in line with us, the president looked up, and just as he looked up, two shots rang out, and he grabbed his chest, and this real odd look came over his face, and he pitched forward onto her lap. And she jumped up over him at that, and screamed and said, my God, he's been shot. And there was just an instantaneous, sort of an instant pause, and uh, in the motorcade, it momentarily halted. And three or four more shots rang out, and they sped away real quickly. And... By that time, I became aware of Mary tugging on my foot saying, get down there shooting. And I hadn't, it hadn't registered. I'd been so busy looking at the president. You, you were in a very advantageous spot to see the president. To see the president, but also to get shot. How do you feel now? Uh, it's been several hours later. Uh, you've talked to the police. And you've given your story several times. Do you still believe that something like this really did happen to you? I don't think I ever could have believed it unless I had actually seen it. And, and when I saw the look come across his face, I knew, it, I knew that he'd been hit. Gene Hill told Mark Lane in an interview in 1964, quote, The FBI was here at my house for days. They practically lived here. They just didn't like what I told them I saw and heard when the president was assassinated. She declined to permit a filmed interview, stating, For two years, I have told the truth, but I have two children to support, and I am just a public school teacher. My principal said it would be best not to talk about the assassination, and I just can't go through it all again. I can't believe the Warren report. I know it's all a lie, because I was there when it happened. But I can't talk about it anymore, because I don't want the FBI here constantly, and I want to continue to teach here. I hope you don't think I'm a coward, but I cannot talk about the case anymore." End quote. For many years, Hill refused to give interviews about the John F. Kennedy assassination. However, in 1990, Hill agreed to work as a technical advisor on Oliver Stone's motion picture JFK. The following year, she revealed what happened after the assassination. Quote, they, meaning the Secret Service agents, took me to the records building, and we went up to a room on the fourth floor. There were two guys sitting there on the other side of the table, looking out a window that overlooked the entire plaza. You could see all of what was going on. 
You got the impression that they had been sitting there for a long time. They asked me what I had seen, and it became clear that they knew what I had seen. They asked me how many shots I had heard, and I told them four to six. And they said, no, you didn't. There were three shots. We have three bullets, and that's all we're going to commit to now. I said, well, I know what I heard, and they told me, what you heard were echoes. You would be very wise to keep your mouth shut. Well, I guess I've never been that wise. I know the difference between firecrackers, echoes, and gunshots. I'm the daughter of a game ranger, and my father took me shooting all my life, end quote. I had the pleasure of meeting and interviewing Jean Hill in November of 1997 at a conference in Dallas. She told me almost word for word this exact story that you just heard here. She also told me she don't think we will ever know the truth of what happened in Dallas that weekend, back in November of 1963. She said, and I quote, There was way more going on that weekend than we were ever told or we will ever know. End quote. Standing with Jean Hill at the curb that runs along Elm Street was her friend Mary Mormon. Mormon, who was taking Polaroid pictures of the motorcade, was only a few feet away from President Kennedy when he was shot. If you watch the Zapruder film, Mormon is the lady in the dark colored long coat with white pants and white shoes. Jean Hill is the lady in the red coat standing next to her. About 15 or 20 seconds before the shooting began, Miss Mormon took a photograph of the motorcade procession as it proceeded toward her. She took this photograph with her Polaroid camera, and the photograph showed the police motorcycle escort preceding the president's car. In the background of this photograph, she said, was the Texas School Book Depository. Mormon then took a second photograph of the president as his automobile passed her. And just as she snapped the picture, she heard what she thought at first was a firecracker, and very shortly afterwards, heard another similar sound which she later determined to have been gunfire. She knows that she heard two shots and possibly a third shot. She recalls seeing the president sort of jump and start to slump sideways in the seat and seems to recall President Kennedy's wife scream, my God, he's been hit or he's been shot. Mormon then states that she fell to the ground because she thought she was in the line of fire. She recalls that the president's automobile was moving at the time she took the second picture and when she heard shots and has the impression that the car either stopped momentarily or hesitated and then drove off in a hurry. Mormon's famous photograph, which was her fifth photo taken that day, showed the presidential limousine with the grassy knoll area in the background. It captured the fatal headshot which killed President Kennedy. When she took it, approximately one-sixth of a second after President Kennedy was struck in the head, at Zapruder frame 313, Mormon was standing behind and to the left of the presidential limousine, about 15 feet from the limousine. Mary Mormon took other photos that day. One photo she took moments before the assassination reportedly depicted the 6-4 window of the Texas School Book Depository. This photo reportedly turned over to the Secret Service agents shortly after the assassination and vanished from sight. It has never been published and it remains missing to this day. No one has ever said where the missing picture is. It is not available in the National Archives and it is assumed that the United States government is keeping the photo at an undeclosed place, hidden for a reason. Mormon's missing photo probably showed someone other than Lee Harvey Oswald firing from the sixth floor window. Why else would it have vanished? If it shows Lee Oswald firing from the sixth floor window, that would have been perfect because it fits the Warren Commission story. Since Mary Mormon had used a Polaroid camera, the consequences were twofold. She was able to see the picture before it was taken from her by the Secret Service, but also she was not able to retain a negative. She told the FBI that the picture showed the book depository in the background, a fact confirmed by the two deputy sheriffs who also saw it. Mormon was a witness with incredible evidence to offer. 
Pictures of her in the act of photographing the motorcade appear in the volumes of evidence published by the Warren Commission and in the Warren Commission report itself. Yet the report makes no mention of her or of her photograph. Her name does not appear in the index to the report. Although the commission published many photographs, it refused to publish the picture that possibility constituted the single most important item of evidence in establishing Oswald's innocence or guilt. Of Mormon's five photographs taken that day, the only one returned to her by the FBI was the one that showed the grassy knoll in the background at the moment of President Kennedy's fatal headshot. While she showed the original, there have been copies that's floated around for decades. In 1982, JFK researcher Gary Mack noticed what he thought to be an image of a gunman behind the fence on the knoll in the Mormon slide copy given to him by Robert Groden. Mack asked whether he could copy the image, enlarge it, and enhance it. By copying the slide at great enlargement and using a wide range of exposure stops, he was able to derive a number of optimum exposures which show in clear detail the face of a man whose chin is obscured by a puff of smoke in a rifle-firing position pose. He seems to be wearing a Dallas police uniform, complete with shoulder patch and badge. Considering the original image is smaller than an eighth inch square, the image is extremely sharp. This image was later confirmed by computer photo analysts at Massachusetts Institute of Technology and Jet Propulsion Lab, but neither would go public because of political considerations. The image that Gary Mack claims he sees in this photo was dubbed as Badge Man. Here's an interview with Mary Mormon done by WFAA-TV in Dallas, only a few minutes after the assassination. There were many witnesses to the assassination, many of them uh, people who would come to town early in the day to find a place to watch the president and the first lady, and I talked to one who saw it happen and took a picture. Picture, and I took the picture. And so having my picture when I took it was at the same instant that the president was hit. And that does show in my picture. What does the picture look like? Uh, it shows the president. He uh, slumped. Jackie Kennedy was leaning towards him to see. I guess it all happened so suddenly I don't think anyone realized you know, what had happened. Did you realize what had happened when you heard the shots? No, I didn't. There was, oh, three or four real close together. And it was, uh, must have been the first one that, that uh, shot him, because that's when I, that was the time I took the picture. And during that time, after I took the picture, and the, the shots were still being fired, I decided I better get on the ground. Did people lie down on the ground? Uh, I just know about myself and the ones right close to me. And, well, really, I just know about myself. You did lie down. I did. We were, I was, oh, no more than 15 foot from the car and in line of fire, evidently. Did Mrs. Kennedy scream on the first shot? Uh, I don't know about the first shot, but she did scream. She says, my God, he's been hit or he's been shot. And the and it, president fell in Mrs. Kennedy's arms? No, I think he just slumped into the seat. Uh, she jumped up over him. And uh, during the time when she jumped up, of course, the car sped away real fast. Now, the picture you took, I understand the FBI has it now. Uh, yes, that's right. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. 
In addition, there were some 8-millimeter color motion pictures taken at the time, and these also are in the hands of the FBI and the Secret Service. One of the 8mm films that he's talking about there is the famous Zapruder film, and we will cover that in a later episode. But next week, on the end of Innocence, the JFK assassination, we are going to hear the incredible story of Lee Bowers, the man in the railroad watchtower behind the grassy knoll. Also, the man up on the railroad overpass, Sam Holland, he's got an incredible story to tell. And then we will hear the story of Ed Hoffman, who is someone who I got to spend a considerable amount of time with. This is the man who saw two shooters fire from behind the picket fence on the grassy knoll. That's all next week. We'll see you then.